As most of you know, I grew up in a loving but unbelieving home, and I became a follower of Jesus at age 17. What you may not know, though, is how my journey of faith began. It started when I was eight years old. We had some neighbors on our block, Mr. and Mrs. Keeney, and they were devout Christians. Their children were around my age, we were friends, and we would often play there together in the neighborhood. And I didn't know it, but the Keeney family was praying for me. And then one Sunday, they invited me to church. Now, my parents had no interest in religious stuff, but they were very okay with me receiving and responding to that invitation. Why is that? It's because the Keeneys were good neighbors, and they had earned the trust and respect of my folks. So dad and mom were perfectly fine with me going off to church with those neighbors. So I started attending Sunday school almost every week, and I learned that there was this book called the Bible where God, our creator, had revealed himself to his creation. I learned about Jesus, the Son of God, who died on a cross to demonstrate God's love and then who rose from the dead. I learned that and a whole bunch more. After about a year of this, though, I got really tired of getting up early on Sunday morning. In addition, my family had its own Sunday morning routine that I really liked and I was missing out. So I stopped going to church. What I didn't realize, though, was this. I may have stopped going to church, but the Holy Spirit did not stop doing His work. The ministry of the Holy Spirit in the life of an unbeliever is to draw them to Jesus. And He was starting to do that with me. That year of Sunday school had had planted some seeds of spiritual curiosity in my mind and my heart, and then the Holy Spirit nourished those seeds over the next nine years. And He sent people into my life to water and tend those seeds. I think, for example, of the guy who was my cabin leader when I went off to summer camp at age 10. The believers I met in junior high the Christian biology teacher whom I deeply admired and respected, the friend in high school who ultimately introduced me to Jesus. You see, for me, coming to faith was a process, and yet it began in my childhood because some followers of Jesus cared enough about me to reach out in love. And my story is not at all unique. And that's why ministry to kids is so important. We never can overlook the vital importance of reaching out to children because we must, we must reach the next generation. It is an essential part of the mission that we have been given by Jesus. And here at Garden Way, we summarize that mission with the words that are printed on the banners over here on the wall. To know Him, to love Him, to share Him. And what excites me is that when God asks us to share our faith, He does not leave us powerless. He gives us that mission, and then He actually personally equips us for that task. We have power from God to share the love of Jesus 
And Jesus makes that very clear in his final encounter with his disciples, recorded for us in the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus is speaking, and he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Power. And what's this power for? You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus wants his disciples to know that on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit comes, men and women and children will be filled with the Holy Spirit. We talked about that last week. And when the Holy Spirit comes to live within believers, they will be empowered, empowered to represent Jesus. And furthermore, Jesus names specific geographical locations to create focus for this outreach. He talks about sharing in Jerusalem. That's their city. He talks about being witnesses in Judea and Samaria. That's the the surrounding neighboring region. And then even to the ends of the earth. I like to say it this way. Our mission is to share the love of Jesus locally, regionally, and globally. We have flags back here on the back wall of the auditorium, representing different nations where we strategically invest as we pursue these missions. And the flags remind us that you and I here in Eugene are engaged in a ministry that is global in its impact and effect. Yet we never can forget that the mission begins right here in our Jerusalem. It begins here in our church and in our community. Now, when we talk about local outreach, we could could share about any number of ministries that we invest in as a church because we want to impact this community for Jesus Christ. This morning, though, we want to zero in on and highlight one particular local ministry. We want to talk about our ministry to children. It's a ministry that we take very, very seriously. Kids' ministry is woven deeply into the fabric of this church. And we have staff dedicated to this and many volunteers who invest time and money and effort in a variety of programs to help us share the love of Jesus with kids in our church and in our neighborhood. And then in addition, beyond that, our church invests in the ministry of Grove Christian Camp. It's a camp that places an emphasis on helping children learn about Jesus so they can love Jesus and get started in the life of faith and hopefully become lifelong disciples of Jesus. I want to briefly touch on two biblical principles that help shape our ministry to children. And then we're going to watch a video about Grove Camp We're going to hear from a Grove Camp staff member so we can see those principles in action as we strive to fulfill our mission to touch the lives of kids and reach the next generation. So two principles. Principle number one, we value children because children matter to Jesus. And this becomes abundantly clear through a very revealing incident that's recorded for us in the book of Mark chapter 10 starting in verse 13. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. That was for the purpose of praying for them and blessing them. But the disciples rebuked them. 
When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. Indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never inherit it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. It was a custom back then in the ancient Middle East for parents to bring their children to rabbis and to elders and to ask those church leaders to, to excuse me, they weren't they weren't the church, <laughs> to ask those religious leaders to pray for them and, and bless them. Well, Jesus obviously is recognized as a significant spiritual leader, so they want him to bless their children and pray over them. And it's fascinating to me that in this particular case, the disciples don't like it. They're annoyed by that request. And I think they act the way that we often act when we treat kids as an interruption or an annoyance or an irritation or a distraction. And you see, the disciples are bothered because Jesus has just been teaching adults. And they view the grown-ups as way more important than the kids. That is a profound mistake to make. Adults do not have inherently greater value in the kingdom of God than children do. And that's why Jesus welcomes this opportunity to affirm the importance of these kids and to ask the Heavenly Father to bless them. Children matter. Jesus. Furthermore, Jesus points out that adults can learn from kids. He wants the grown-ups to embrace the complete and total faith of a child. He wants to see us display that kind of unquestioning trust that kids have when they believe. And we know what that looks like, don't we? When we see a kid who believes deeply in someone or something, oh, they trust. They trust without question, without any doubts. Jesus says that's an example for us. And so instead of marginalizing children, Jesus wants us to bless children and to even learn from children as we want them to learn from us. Children matter to Jesus. So children should matter to us. Principle number two. Children need a solid spiritual start. And that is spelled out for us in the book of Proverbs, chapter 22, verse 6. Start children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Now, the book of Proverbs is a fascinating book. It's a book filled with wise counsel from God, and he's given it to us so we can better understand how to live by faith. This book, though, is often misunderstood because some people think that Proverbs are promises. They are not. If Proverbs were promises, then this book would be called the book of guaranteed results. By giving us this proverb, God is not promising that every child will turn out well. 
He is telling us something that is of crucial importance. He's saying you need to invest in kids and help them start off well spiritually because if they learn about God while they are young, then that has the potential to stick with them over the long term. And this means we cannot take the spiritual training of children for granted. Kids do not learn about God and the life of faith by osmosis. We must be intentional about helping children consistently encounter God to provide them with a solid spiritual foundation. And that certainly was true in my life. I see the reality of this proverb because some neighbors cared enough to become friends with our family and to pray for me and then invite me to church. I received spiritual training as a child that took root in my teen years. And so in a similar way, we want to help children get off to a solid spiritual start. And that's why we want children from this church and children from this neighborhood to participate in Sunday school and Awanas and Club 45. It's why we reach out to children through our after-school program called KidMax. We want to reach these children who attend Holt Elementary School and live in our neighborhood. And these various programs are ways that we can be role models and mentors and instructors and help to lay a spiritual foundation in the lives of these kids. Some of them growing up in homes much like mine where they will never hear a word about faith. And we get the privilege to speak into their lives and hopefully lay a spiritual foundation and pray that at some point it will bear fruit. And in addition to all that we do here, we want kids to go to Grove Christian Camp. They are a vital ministry in our area, and their ministry is a key component of our overall ministry to children. Aaron Earlywine is the Director of Development for the camp. For many years, he was on the staff at the Six and Gibbs Church in Cottage Grove. He served as the youth minister and then the preaching minister. Over those years, he always was involved with the camp because he loves kids. Now Aaron serves as a staff member at the camp. He's helping to build and extend the ministry of the camp because above all things, he wants more and more kids to have an experience at camp where they can learn about God and hopefully become followers of Jesus Christ. Because that's the bottom line mission of the camp, to share the good news of Jesus. We're going to watch a short video that offers us a glimpse of life at camp, and then Aaron is going to come and share with us some detail about the ministry of the camp. Please turn your attention to the screen. There are no words, no phrase I could create. There is no melody that I could make How do you sing about a love so deep Without feeling like you miss something I could try but I could not explain
want to thank you guys so much for being a big part of Grove Christian Camp and uh, for all of the investments that you guys have made over the years with Grove Camp. It was kind of neat first service talking to a lot of people that uh, have been involved with camp in, in, in many different ways. And it's so cool to hear about so many, so many different stories. Uh, you guys are a part of another, about 20, 28 or 29 other churches that um, uh, have an ownership in Grove Christian Camp. So you guys, really, when it boils down to it, are a part of the ownership of the camp. And we're excited that so many of you have taken that uh, ownership responsibility and have been a big part of what we have going on at Grove Camp. Um, I want to tell you guys uh, a few very cool things that are going on with Grove Christian Camp. Um, We're we're excited about what God is doing and uh, the way God is moving. I've been involved in the camp for uh, almost 20 years now, and being able to see just what the way God has changed and grown the camp and the exciting things that the Holy Spirit is doing in the background has really been neat for me to see. Um, One of the really cool things that we've been able to see lately is... um, uh, we've, we're able to keep the cost of our camps down uh, because of the church involvement. But another way that's been very beneficial to the camp is um, during our off-season se- off hours, we're able to provide a service called Outdoor School to many of the schools. And we've been doing this for 15, 20 years, providing an opportunity for schools to come. But we kind of noticed, our executive director, Joel, and my wife, Heidi, uh, they kind of noticed that the, the product that was coming to these outdoor schools wasn't very, wasn't very good. So they started working kind of behind the scenes to develop our own outdoor school program that we could present to uh, the various schools to see if we couldn't help them in the process of providing these uh, opportunities for students. And at the same time, unbeknownst to us, um, in fact, you might even remember voting for this a few years back, but Measure 99 uh, took Oregon lottery funds and applied that to outdoor schools for the state of Oregon. And those uh, funds are for every fifth grader in the state of Oregon to attend an outdoor school for three days and two nights. The funding provides for that every student. And so uh, we were in uh, talks with the Bethel School District, and the Bethel School District said, well, we're applying for these funds so that we could come out to Grove Camp. And we said, applying for what funds? What are you talking about? And so he said, well, as a school district, we can apply to the state of Oregon for funds, and then we'll just pay you guys to do the camp for us. And so it was, it was a huge win-win situation and just huge confirmation for us that the Holy Spirit's really working in the background. Like, He knows what's going on. And so this has provided for us not only an opportunity to help the funding of Grove Camp, to keep co- camp costs low, but the best part of it all is it's began to develop some relationships with people. And those relationships have been extremely key. Now, Remember, I said you guys are a big involvement in Grove Christian Camp. One of the ways that you guys have shown your involvement is through every year we do this uh, hymn sing fundraiser, uh, and, and it's hosted here at the Garden Way Church. Every year we've gotten more and more funds, and, and those funds specifically go 
to students who need scholarships. Because we have a lot of students that come to Grove Camp, either are not associated with the church, or maybe their church can't afford to scholarship them. And so we're able to provide scholarships. But because of our relationship with outdoor schools, we're getting a lot of these kids that come to the outdoor schools and want to come back for summer camp, but they can't afford to do it. And thanks to you guys, in fact, last year, the funds that were raised supported 80 students to go to, on scholarship to Grove Christian Camp. This year, we're looking at at least 100 students, and we have funding for at least 100 students right now that was raised through that Hymsing fundraiser. And we're excited about that. But the best part of it is that last year, we tracked this, and one in every four of the students, so about 25% of the kids that came to Grove Christian Camp through the scholarship fund, accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And that was awesome. And so we're working on a couple of things. First of all, we're working on being able to try to get more of those kids coming. And the second thing is we're working hard at trying to get them connected to churches. Uh, because, you know, as Bruce was saying when talking about um, one of the best ways that we can, we can help encourage these students is to connect them to a local church body. And so we're excited about doing that through the various churches we have throughout Oregon. Now, one of, the, one of the other ways that we're able to get students to come is, I, I don't know if you know fifth graders, um, but fifth graders have a tendency to act out. Have you ever, have you ever seen this? <clears throat> like, they're not always well-behaved. Did, did anybody else notice this at all? Um, I've got six children, and it's their fifth grade year that I want to send them off, right? Um, you know, it, it's just, which outdoor school would be great. Uh, but you know, and so they get in trouble at outdoor school. And then, and, and believe it or not, some of them get in so much trouble that they actually get sent home, right? Can you believe that, that they would actually get? And so on, in the, 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 on their way home, one of the things they do is they have to sit inside of Joel's office, the executive director's office. And so he gets to sit and kind of talk with the kids, and, and he says, you know, and, and believe it or not, some of these kids have no idea why they're going home either. Like, why are you going home? I don't know. <clears throat> I just blew up one of the toilets with a, with a firecracker, and now they're mad at me. I don't, I don't understand. And so, uh, so while we're sitting there talking to these students, Joel will say, hey, you know, I think the thing you need is more practice at camp. So what if we paid for you to come back this summer to one of our camps? And we have gotten a number of students just that way. And they come back to camp and they're excited and they're thrilled. And they don't blow up the toilets this time because they're happy to be there. They're excited about this opportunity. And so it's a really neat thing. And so I am so excited about all the things going on at Grove Camp. There's, there's so many more things that I could share with you guys. Uh, but I, I just want to leave you with this. I want to leave you with this. I want to encourage you in this. I want to encourage you to be praying hard this July. July and into August, those are, those are our camps. Those are our, well, we have junior camp, um, two middle school camps. We got a high school camp, a first chance camp. And those, those camps are our opportunity to really not only encourage those who are followers of Jesus to really step up in leadership and to, and to commit themselves to following God and to, to maybe move on into ministry or whatever it is that they may do. But we also have a lot of kids that are coming for the very first time to Grove Camp. 
And they're building relationships that they've never built before. They're seeing things that they've never seen before. And we, we really need you guys to be praying for them and praying for the staff that they can build relationships. It's not easy building relationships with these kids. It's worth it, but it's not easy. And pray for their energy. Pray for, pray for God to move in their lives. And so I want to encourage you guys to be praying hard this uh, July for Grove Christian Camp. Be sending kids to Grove Christian Camp, whatever it takes. And if you have an opportunity to come out and visit or you want to spend a week with fifth graders, we'd love to have you there with us at Grove Camp to make a difference in the lives of these students. Thank you guys so much. Thanks, Ben. Aaron, thank you so much for being here and sharing with us a little bit. Uh, we are so grateful to you and the other staff and the many volunteers and for the, the vital work that you do. You know, thinking back to that video, I, I kind of love the panorama of the camp experience that we see. We see kids having fun in all kinds of ways. And we see a lot of adults there. Adults and older teenagers, people who want to come alongside these kids to be role models, to be mentors, to be encouraged encouragers. It is so important for children to have influential others present to speak into their lives and to help them understand what it means to try and live a life of faith as a follower of Jesus. That happens at camp. And of course, the way that video ends is the culmination as we see numerous kids being baptized right there in the Rao River. What an exciting moment when young boy or girl, makes that decision to say, I'm taking a step of faith. I want to pledge my life to Jesus. I want to be forgiven of my sins and get a fresh start. And we can help them begin that life of discipleship. The camp experience truly can be life-changing. Thinking back to my own camp experience when I went to summer camp at age 10, I I didn't wind up the week making a faith commitment. I wasn't yet at that point. But I look on that week as such a key foundational piece of the process I was on, that pathway that God was using, being nudged by the Holy Spirit, leading me to Jesus. For me, it was that multi-year process. Camp was a key ingredient. So I deeply believe in the value of Christian camp for kids. I'm excited about the scholarship funds that Aaron mentioned that the camp raises and we get a chance to be a part of that by hosting their fundraising event. You need to know that our church also sets aside scholarship funds for kids to go to camp. It simply is part of our budget. And we do that because we want every kid who wants to go to camp to be able to get to camp and we do not want money to be an obstacle. So every child connected to Garden Way Church who goes off to camp it's a 50% scholarship, half price. And, and it's already an amazingly low price because of the investment of fundraisers and outside, outside donors who keep that cost down. I don't think you've raised the price in over a decade. It's been a long time. You cannot get a week of camp any, any more cost effectively than you can at Grove. And so kids in our church, kids who participate in our KidMax program, they get that 50% discount. If a child in your family wants to go to camp and they bring a friend along with them, we extend the discount to that friend because we want kids at camp. We want them there because we know it potentially can be a life-changing time in their lives. 
So in response to what we've heard this morning, as we've looked at some biblical principles and as we've heard from Aaron and seen about the camp, here are three specific things I think we can do as we think about our mission and ministry to the next generation. First and foremost, we need to pray. Let's pray for the ongoing children's ministry of this church. Let's pray for the kids of this neighborhood and our church who are going to be going to camp this summer. Let's pray that they have meaningful encounters with God. Let's pray for Megan York, our new children's minister. And Megan, during her formative years, she was shaped by many summers at Grove Camp. Let's pray for Drew, our youth minister, who's working with just bigger kids. Pray. Prayer makes a difference. Number two, let's work to send kids to camp. You have children or grandchildren or nieces or nephews in your families. Encourage them to get to camp. Build friendships in your neighborhood with those people who have kids. Get to know those families and let's get those neighborhood kids to camp like the Keeney family did with me so long ago. They got interested in me and invested their lives in me and help get me connected initially to the church. But let's get kids to camp. And before you leave today, if you want more information, you can stop by the table in the lobby. Aaron's going to be out there with some of his family members, and they can fill you in on details about camp. So pray. Send kids to camp. And number three, let's be generous with our money. Beyond the scholarship funds that we set aside in our budget as a church, we invest heavily in our mission. And so as a church, we give a monthly donation to the camp through our missions fund. And the way the missions fund works is this. Every week, we take the general offerings that we receive, tithes and offerings that are given by members and regular tenders that are placed back there in the treasury box, and we take 13.5% of those offerings and we set them aside in our missions fund. And then our volunteer missions committee, led by Molly Williamson, that committee then prayerfully invests those funds into local, regional, and global missions ministries. And this means that every time you and I make a contribution to the church, we not only support what happens here, we support all of our outreach efforts, including the essential local mission of Grove Camp. And here's what I really like about the way the leaders of our church set this up. They established our giving to our mission as a percentage of contributions, not as a flat rate budgeted amount. This means that as our giving grows, so does our giving to our mission. You see, the more we all give, the more we invest in outreach together, including that vital mission of reaching the next generation. So let's pray passionately for kids. Let's pray for the staff and volunteers who work with kids and with youth. And let's give generously and even sacrificially so together we can invest in our mission. Because as we invest, then we can help more and more kids kids in our church and kids in our neighborhood fall in love with Jesus. That's what he wants us to do because children matter to Jesus.